Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for our first post-Thanksgiving episode of the 2016-17 season, which actually there is only one post-episode after the Thanksgiving holiday this year. Speaking of Thanksgiving holidays and turkey, Harley, how was your turkey day? Oh, I thought you were going to call me a turkey there. No, 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 no. I'm not, <laughs> I know that's how it sounded, but that's not what I meant. Uh, no, Thanksgiving was a great day for me. I actually did really, really well on the DFS slates. Uh, came very close to a huge payday on FanDuel. Uh, mainly uh, the last drive of the game between Pittsburgh and uh, uh, Indianapolis, if Le'Veon Bell stays in the game instead of them bringing in Fitzgerald Toussaint, based on the players I had remaining and the teams ahead of me in the standings, if Le'Veon Bell got the yardage that Toussaint got on that drive, I would have cashed a check upward, upwards of $1,000 easily. So you're saying that we have to add to the old adage of um, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. You can add DFS to that now? or Well, of course. I mean, it's still nice to be able to look at something and, and, and look in a giant GPP tournament format like that and find yourself in the top 10 okay. is still a, a great feeling. Uh, it kind of validates the uh, the work we do week in and week out setting and uh, trying to manage the players' availability versus their skill set and what we actually project they're going to do. Now, this past weekend wasn't as good a week for me. So uh, a lot of the players that I expected were going to hit big didn't. Uh, A couple of my sleepers actually still hit. But uh, uh, so far tonight, uh, Green Bay scored a touchdown. Philadelphia scored a touchdown. I'm going to need some big points from Philadelphia's offense tonight for me to really – make any hay this week i mean above just getting back what i invested yeah i, I saw a tweet i forget maybe it was rum for johnny that said something about feeling like breaking, <clears throat> e- breaking even this week felt like making money that it was just, it really did it was that kind of a week and i saw a stat god now it escapes me i can't remember the three players that they said basically had such and such 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 and such such so Marquise Wilson can be one of them because he's somebody nobody expected to do anything. Taylor Gabriel was the other, I think. And I really can't remember who the third was, but it was somebody that came out of nowhere and had a big day. And then they quoted three other people as having had zero catches, and it was Brandon Cooks and two other highly touted early wide receivers. I just can't remember who they were. Um, maybe it was Eric Ebron they talked about and, yep. and Gronkowski. Maybe that's what it was. Um so yeah, those three no catches. The other three guys killed it type thing. So that sums it up in a nutshell. But I'll say this. You can't harp on I got it wrong if the methodology and the thought process is right because we're not always going to get it right. Exactly. So, And when we do get it right, it is nice though to, to kind of chime in with a, yep. a goodwill blessing of what you uh, put out there as a prediction because, uh, again, it, it, in reality, we are all in the business of prognostication but prognostication still involves studying, research. I mean, what a lot of people don't realize is the amount of hours and time 
we spend each week building the uh, articles and building the cases for yep. our prognosed points for players that you see on the huddle.com, you see on our other websites, as well as when we go on the radio and give you advice as to who to sit and start. All of that information comes from extensive, extensive research and studying we do during the weeks. We don't just go on there and wing it for you guys. We actually are, are spending the hours and time devoted to trying to solve these, uh, solve these riddles of who's going to score the most based on the matchups. As well as hours and weeks and years of experience also. That's a huge part of it too, I think. And, and like I said, we don't just uh, give you advice. We're advising ourselves too because yep. we have our own money in we have our own skin in the game too. And, and a lot of times <clears throat> when people ask a question, be it on Twitter or on the radio if we're fielding a call, it, it's hard. You don't get enough context. It's the questions that I would I don't I would like to ask. I don't have time to ask on the radio. But if it was my own team I'd be looking at what does my opponent have? What is my record? What do I need to do? Can I afford to possibly blow this week? Do I have to drop this player that's going to be coming back to help me in the stretch run? All those kinds of things that add context to it that you don't get with a, should I start Tevin Coleman or James Starks? You know, I think we might actually get into that a little bit more in detail a little bit later on in the show today uh, when we talk about uh, people setting their lineups for the uh, what, what should be the last week of your fantasy regular season this week. As well as going into the playoffs for those that make it. So I'll tell you what. Without further ado, we are going to, of course, have our DFS segment that will follow the news, and then we'll go into our talk about structuring your starting lineups. But before that can happen, I've got to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. With the return to health of both Robert Griffin III and Cody Kessler, the Browns currently have five different players on their active roster who have racked up snaps as their quarterback this season. Not so surprisingly, this number is exactly five greater than the number of victories recorded by this motley crew. <laughs> the New Orleans Saints managed to put up 49 points this past weekend, despite Brandon Cooks not being targeted a single time. Grr. We flagged down offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael following the game to inquire as to why Cooks was not targeted. His responses were, How should I know? It's not like I actually call the plays around here. He followed that up with, If I had to venture a guess, someone probably told Coach Payton that Mark Ingram and Brandon Cooks traded jerseys prior to the game. <laughs> Khalil Mack became the first player since 2009 to record an interception, a sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown in the same game. All of these counting stacks certainly helped many IDP League players win their games this past week. I'm not 100% certain but there is a pretty good chance that in this one game, Mack outscored the entire New Orleans Saints defense's points for this season. The Bears lost another key contributor on defense this week as Danny Trevathan sustained a torn patellar tendon. This sounds particularly painful. Of course, it cannot be that much more painful than suiting up for the Bears each week. And finally, speaking of injuries, 
Derek Carr briefly left his contest against Carolina this weekend after dislocating his pinky. Following the game, he claimed that it was the most excruciating pain he had ever felt. Now, I don't want to negate his opinion, since I too have sustained a dislocated pinky at one time, and yes, it wasn't pleasant. That said, I'd never suggest it is the most painful thing I've ever dealt with. No, the most painful thing I've ever dealt with was wasting a first-round dynasty pick on Carr's older brother about a decade ago. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Man, I'll tell you what, that David Carr segment, and that's what it looked like, a segment, because it looked like a sitcom. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of like when you're out on the playground playing with your buddies, and somebody gets hurt, and it's like, they don't call timeout. They just, oh, man, shit, damn, blah, blah, and they run around, and, and like their hair's on fire. I was like, what the hell's Carr doing? There's a ball There's a ball to jump on top there. What, what's really crazy is, so, you know, we've had the butt fumble. Now, this fumble was kind of caused because he jammed his finger into the butt of the center. Does that mean that this is a butt fumble too? I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> I am going to say one other thing, though. The Saints, as bad as their defense is, they've still they've still outscored Khalil Mack. I just checked; it's by point three points this year, but they've outscored them. I knew it was close. And and as far as Brandon Cooks goes, I did not think that he and Mark Ingram switched jerseys. I just assumed that Sean Payton showed his hand that he actually plays fantasy football and he's trying to make the playoffs. And Cooks was on his opponent's team. That's quite possible because the, the, I mean it really is inexcusable that he wasn't even targeted once. I mean, e even if, like, Drees threw the ball in his general direction, it, you know it, what? it happened. Drees, I would understand that he didn't get a target if Drees was the quarterback, but Drees <laughs> is the quarterback. Well, so that Smith was the quarterback on one of the passes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would have had that money line? Folks, forgive me. I'm uh, dealing with a little bit of a chest cold today, so That's I might it. sound a little weird on the mic, but I swear it's still me. That's okay. I mean, who would have put a money line on that? More targets, Brandon Cooks, or more pass attempts, Willie Sneed. Which which one are you taking to the bank there? I'm sure someone placed that bet out in Vegas, and uh, they probably got a pretty good line on it. I guess. Well, talking about lines and Vegas and all that good stuff, I guess we should just get into our DFS, and people are like, what the hell's that got to do with Vegas? If you're not checking Vegas lines out, et cetera, then you're not doing it right for DFS, because that's a big part of the research that you should be doing. And you can find all that information weekly at thehuddle.com. That's a good segue. Okay, let's run right at it. Let's go to quarterback. Okay, at quarterback, I'm going to pay up for Mr. Brew Drees. Uh, his price salary is 7600 <laughs> on FanDuel, 9300 on Draft uh, backwards. 9300 on FanDuel, 7600 on DraftKings. He's averaging 357 yards and three touchdowns per game at home since the start of last year. Only once this season at home has he not thrown for three touchdowns, and that was against Seattle. This isn't Seattle. This is Detroit. Yeah. Detroit's secondary is rotten. Uh, this is going to be pretty ugly. Uh, Breeze could throw for five touchdowns, maybe even six this week. Well, this is one of those weeks where we tell we tell customers, listen to me, we tell our listeners that sometimes we discuss who we're picking, sometimes we don't. We have talked zero about our DFS picks for this week. So Harley is completely unaware that I'm also paying up for Mr. Um, Brew D's, Drees. <laughs> Didn't he run for like president out in Iowa or something like that? Uh, he 
who knows? <laughs> but yes, I'm on I'm on the breeze at home bandwagon. It's the scoreboard could be lit up quite a bit again. And who knows? Maybe Brandon Cooks will get a, at least one target. Uh, <laughs> maybe we're asking for too much there. Yeah. I'm going to stay away this week from Mr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to Buffalo. His price tag's finally moved into that top tier. And I'm concerned that, that his finger is going to swell up this week. It might cause him some problems with throwing the ball and gripping the ball. Also, Buffalo has allowed multiple passing touchdowns only three times this season. I can I can get on board with that. I looked at that that price to me. It is closer to the upper tier, but just not close enough for a stay away. I'm going to stay away from the second most expensive guy at DraftKings and probably third or fourth, actually, at FanDuel. I'm going to stay away from Tom Brady. And, yes, he's at home. No, there may not be another Gronk. Um, does that matter sometimes? No, sometimes it does. Here's the thing. The Rams, they're such a Jekyll and Hyde defense. But also I think that we're getting to that point where Belichick would like to get Blunt and Deion Lewis a lot more involved. And we could just see a different type of game script that just doesn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy about Brady this week is all. Yeah, we didn't see it this past week, but in reality, over the last month and a half or so, as uh, the Rams have started to get healthy, they, I mean, they were without three of their four starting defensive linemen, and two of their top cornerbacks were out for a period of time there. Yep. All of those guys are healthy again now. Again, they didn't show it last week, but I think that they've got a defense that can hold the mediocre receiving options that Brady has to work with in check a little bit better. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a 17-10 or a 24-13 type game. Nothing nothing electric, and Alec Ogletree is one of the better, you know, instinctive, speedy linebackers in the league, which I think would limit Edelman and stuff like that. So I just think that Brady's, for the price, there's many, many more well, options. And we, we kind of saw it last week, even too, against the Jets, is that uh, – with so many weapons hurt right now, and it sounds like Martellus Bennett might be a little bit healthier this week. Uh, who knows what the status is with Gronk, if he's going to play, if he's not going to play. It sounds like the back injury is not that serious. But, I mean, again, there's just, I mean, Melka Mitchell has turned into a decent receiving option. Obviously, Julian Element is a great receiving option. But the weapons just aren't there, like in previous seasons, for uh, Brady to work with. So Brady could still have a decent final line, but is he going to have a final line requisite of paying the same amount that you'd pay for Drew Brees, which is definitely not the case. Right. So who's your value play? You know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually, again, I'm putting my money where my mouth is because I've got him in a couple lineups set up already, and that's Alex Smith at Atlanta. Atlanta's allowed multiple passing touchdowns seven times this year, and no team is allowing more passing yards per game than they are. It's at home, so there's no threat of, I should say it's at home in Atlanta. So there's no threat of weather concerns there. Uh, as we get closer to December, obviously weather could be a potential issue for quarterbacks and or receivers. I just, I like Alex Smith this week. Well, I, sometimes I forget when I'm looking at value and I start to go too deep for what I'm looking like for my blue light, bargain basement blue light specials I do on the radio. So at first pass, I was going to say my value play is Matt Barkley. I thought about that too, and I'm like, you know what? But does he really have two games like that? <laughs> well, here's the thing: I actually still like him as a play. He's not my value play, but let me give you this: yeah. this year, Bears quarterbacks not named Jay Cutler, okay, have thrown for fewer than 300 yards in a game. How many times? Once. Zero. 
zero. <laughs> so and Cutler hasn't done it once, has he? <laughs> correct, exactly. <laughs> so I just, I mean, and it's San Francisco. Can you name me any of the receivers that caught a touchdown pass this week for Chicago? No. I guarantee none of them were on a roster prior to this week. No. Maybe Marquise Wilson in the deepest of dynasty yeah. or, or keeper leagues. Now, my biggest concern is it's in Chicago. It's at home. You never know what the wind and the weather will be. But that's why I was thinking of him. But no, I'm actually going to go with a guy who I think is really underpriced, and that's Eli Manning. And it's on, oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, totally it's on the road. It's at Pitt. I'm sorry. The Pittsburgh's weakness is that secondary. Pittsburgh puts up more points when they're at home. Giants defense is tough. You put all that together, I think this is more of a shootout than it is a defensive battle. And I like Eli for that reason. Totally, totally agree. Uh, I, I think that's a great way to go there. Uh, as far as uh, running back, who are you paying up for? Well, I couldn't decide. So I flipped a coin and it came up standing right down the center. I have no problem, honestly, I have no problem whatsoever paying up for um, David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. I just have zero problem paying up for either one of those guys. They've shown that even in the worst of matchups, they still return value, and their upside is just way too much to pass up. Well, I think at this point I've kind of like uh, ignored the fact that those two guys are there because they're going to produce no matter what. A little concerned about David Johnson uh, sustaining a small injury to his hand too, but... I don't think it'll be a big factor. The guy that I'm paying up for uh, falls just under the top tier prices, and that's uh, Jordan Howard going up against San Francisco. San Francisco is allowing a 184 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. Plus, they've allowed 17 running back scores this year. Realistically, I mean, Matt Barkley, say what you want about him. Jordan Howard is Chicago's offense right now, and he's going to get the ball the majority of the time at home. Weather is a factor. He's going to get the ball even more frequently. Yep. He's going to catch passes for him out of the backfield. Uh, as, as much as I love Bell and Johnson, based on price, it's it, maybe like a thousand less for Howard. I think that Howard outproduces both of them this week. It's almost two thousand less, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he'll outproduce him, but I think he's a solid play. I agree with you on that. The guy that I am going to stay away from is Jay Ajahi. There is nothing that's fraudulent about that Baltimore front seven. Just especially in the run game. Just there is nothing about it. I mean, just go back a few weeks ago and look what they did to the Steelers until the very last end and, and mop up, you know, garbage time. Um, and they've got, they're missing 60% of their offensive line this past week. So that's why I didn't produce against San Francisco. Who knows what they'll have back this week. It's just, it's way too risky in my eyes. Well, again, we don't discuss this pregame every single week, and we didn't discuss it this week. Ajahi is also my stay away. Uh, the stat here on Baltimore's run defense, only three teams have topped 65 yards rushing against them all season. No team has topped 65 yards against them at home this year. And like you said, Miami's O-line is beat up. It sounds like they probably will get Laramie Tunsil back this week, which is a huge improvement over the guys they brought out there last week. But they're still shorthanded there. And last week was really proof, something that I tried to say a couple weeks ago to our listeners, is that Jay Ajahi is really a product of that offensive line being so dynamic a few weeks back before they started getting all those injuries. You can put, uh, it's kind of like with Dallas. Uh, I mean, Ezekiel is a, a supreme talent. But again, you could put Alfred Morris behind that line, and Alfred Morris would be a very good, talented player. You could put that line in Green Bay, and suddenly Green Bay might have a running back. Yeah, that's... It's always part of it. 
So if you get no offensive line or a diminished offensive line against that Baltimore front four, which is phenomenal, and their their linebacking core is really good too. And they got Doomerville back this past week. Ooh, even more more reason to avoid Jay Ajahi. Yeah. Um so we both we're both avoiding the same guy. I'll tell you who my value play is. I'm not sure if you'd be on him or not, but it lends to what I said earlier too about Brady. I like Deion Lewis this week. I think he's a good value play. I, I would agree with that. Uh for me. I'm really watching tonight's game intently to find out who between Wendell Smallwood and Darren Sproles is the uh, more featured in the Philadelphia offense because we really can't trust what uh, Doug Pearson says about this because he, he's lied to our faces before regarding that. But whichever one of those two uh, basically runs with the ball and, and gets the most carries this week and most touches is the guy I'm going to take as my value play. They're both about the same price. Since he is allowing over 140 combo yards per game to opposing running backs this year, and right now, uh, they just seem kind of like Cincinnati's defense feels like they're giving up a little bit. Yeah, um, it, it is what it is. It's like I don't know. As far as that whole you know Smallwood Sproles thing, the guy I was interested in watching what he would do tonight because I really didn't trust the situation was Barner. Yes. So. It's and I'll be honest with you. Right now, I'm at a disadvantage. My internet, even though we're recording on Skype, um, nothing will let <laughs> me. Nothing will let me connect to the internet to pull up any kind of stats, double check stuff. So, sorry, apologize about that. Okay, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for a stat, and I don't have it. So now I get to keep it for myself. Well, you talked earlier about Eli Manning being your uh, your discount quarterback this week you're stealing gonna, my thunder you're stealing my thunder I feel I'm, I'm gonna pay up for mr odell beckham jr at wide receiver uh he battled through an injury last week and coverage by joe hayden for most of the game he still scored a couple touchdowns yeah, pittsburgh's defense shouldn't scare him at all nope he's my pay up also i think it's clear as day and i hope he has a big game because i traded for him a couple weeks ago and i lost aj green in a dynasty league and he came through this week and i'd like him to keep rolling Unfortunately, in this very same game, you, you say it's going to be a shootout. I hope it is because I've got a lot of shares in in regular season leagues of Antonio Brown. However, I don't really like him at this price point this week because he's more expensive than Beckham, who I think is set for a better game. Brown's going to be shadowed by Janoris Jenkins throughout the entire game, yep. and he's really proven to be a true shutdown corner this year. So that's who you're staying away from? I'm going to stay away from Brown this week. Well, I'm with you in that... I thought that it was easy to pick a stay-away, high-priced wide receiver. Um, Brown was somebody that I was going back and forth on, but I'm staying away from Julio Jones. I thought about him, too. He has a couple things going against him. He's at home. His best efforts, his biggest ones, tend to happen on the road. And Marcus Peters, enough said. Marcus Peters is pretty elite. So that's why, just too much risk. And we're going to talk about that later, but that's why I would stay away from Julio Jones at this point. Well, I'll tell you my value play for the week at wide receiver. Uh, it's a guy who I'm surprised is still a value after last night, and that's Tyree Kill. Uh, I mentioned starting Alex Smith as my value quarterback. Tyree Kill obviously has developed into a legitimate second wide receiver option for Alex Smith to throw to. Uh, three touchdowns versus the Broncos secondary. Very few people started Hill this week, mainly because they figured he would be shadowed by either Tlaib or Harris and be completely shut down. And the Falcons' secondary is nowhere near as good. I mean, we're not even talking the same stratosphere as Denver's secondary. And with Hill, you get the chance of a kick return or a punt return touchdown every single time he touches the ball. He could score from anywhere. 
he's really electric. Uh, it sounds like Casey might get Macklin back this week, which should even better Hill's availability for getting open against some of the secondary pieces in Atlanta's secondary. And, and their first pieces aren't that great to start with. Yep, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think there's quite a few nice value plays at wide receiver this yes. this week that will allow you to go get David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell if you wanted to. Um, it worked for me on Thanksgiving. So at my value play at, at, at quarterback, at wide receiver, I'm going to put a guy in mind that's got quarterback ability. Not Terrell Pryor. He's off this week. I was just going to say that. You're going to go with Willie Sneed? Yes, Willie Sneed. <laughs> there's going to be... A lot that happens in that game. Might as well try and give me a piece of it. Well, as you know what? Price uh, points, as I said, Breeze could throw for five touchdowns. So based on percentages, since uh, one of five touchdowns last week went from Snead, uh, he still could probably get one if, if Breeze throws for five. Yep, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he had double touchdowns, quite honestly. so And his price is just – his price to me doesn't and, make sense. Well, here's the thing, too. He had a horrible matchup last week in terms of his receiver role, because he likes to line up in the slot a lot, and the uh, the slot corner for uh, the Rams is actually their best cornerback. So I think that this week uh, he's got a better matchup in terms of who's going to be covering him when he's a wide receiver. So he's, he's definitely got value from that standpoint. And if he throws one, even better. Yeah, there you go. Well, no, I'd rather him catch it than throw it four versus If he six. can throw it to himself. That Remember one... Brad Johnson a couple of years ago with the uh, pass to himself? Yeah, there you go. That'll work. That will work. All right. What won't work is not talking about tight end. What do you got at tight end? I'm paying up for Mr. Travis Kelsey. I'm going to do the Voltron stack, it sounds like, at KC this week against Atlanta. Every team except Denver and Green Bay has either topped 50 yards and or scored a touchdown with a tight end versus Atlanta. Even the unknown Jermaine Gresham got into the end zone last week against Atlanta. Uh, Kelsey is about as good as it gets this week. I can't agree with you on that. I'm not paying up for Kelsey. I'm paying up for a guy that as long as he's breathing, has a heartbeat, and his arm's not in a sling, I don't know how you'd bench him. Jordan Reed. Screw you, Jordan Reed. Yes, I was playing against you this week, Jordan Reed. I needed a win to make the playoffs this week, Jordan Reed. I saw that you went out. I saw the hit. I saw how you fell. I went, oh, he is done. Didn't even realize I was playing against him because I don't look at my opponent's lineup sometimes when I'm in a hurry because of the holiday weekend. Then when I checked it, I went, oh, check that out. Good news for me. Then I go to family function. I come back. I look up, and I see 30-plus points from Jordan Reed with a half-broken arm. Here's the thing. Uh, a couple of years ago when we were talking about Jordan Reed, we would say, oh, uh, he's out of the game. He must have slipped and fell, or he must have like stubbed his toe or something yeah, like that. That hit was pretty vicious. And uh, to, to see him come back from what looked like it could have been a separated shoulder – it was a separated shoulder, so or something along those lines. I mean, he definitely wasn't his self, and he performed. And because of that, I'm going to just say I got to pay up for that price. I'm stay. I'm staying away from Mister Reed. He's actually my stay away pick this week. His price tag is is very high. Yeah, his shoulder is not 100. percent He says that he's not even sure if he can play this week. If he does play, he won't be 100. percent you still have Vernon Davis cutting into his targets for some inexplicable reason. And Arizona has allowed an average of three catches and 25 and a half yards to opposing tight ends all season. No tight end has caught more than five balls against them. No tight end has topped 54 yards against them. 
and no tight end has scored a single touchdown against them all year. So maybe my pick wasn't very rational. Sue me. Now, what you don't know, and our listeners don't Sometimes know. Sometimes you got to go with your gut. What you don't know and our listeners don't know is that you cut out. Skype screwed you just then. I'm not sure where your argument argument was prior to when you came back on, but you actually came on in a spot where I didn't have to say anything, and we probably could have got away with it. So <laughs> I have no idea what you were lamenting about while I was trying to fill time before I decided if I was going to cut or not. Anyway, um, I'll tell you my stay away. My stay away is Gronkowski. I'm sorry. Uh, he's just he's barely even the walking wounded right now. It's just, it, you know what I would like to see? I would like to see DraftKings and FanDuel actually price him down to make it a hard decision to not play him. Imagine if he was in that 4500 to $5,000 range. I, I think that some teams would roster him just for the chance that he could go gronk on the situation. But right. I, I totally agree with that. I, again, we, we already talked a little bit how we don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. And if it is, it's going to probably be more predicated on the rushing attack or the pass-catching running backs, at least. Uh, the guy, So a guy I'm staying away from, like I said, is Jordan Reed. I don't like the matchup. For a value play at tight end this week, I'm going to take uh, the guy who I was just commenting about uh, when I was talking about Atlanta's horrible tight end defense. That's Jermaine Gresham. Gresham gets to face Washington this week. And prior to holding Jason Witten in check on Thanksgiving, he did catch three passes for 33 yards. Washington had allowed an average of nine catches, 106 yards, and one touchdown to tight ends over the prior three weeks. Uh, Meanwhile, Gresham scored in back-to-back games. He's kind of overtaken Darren Fells as the primary pass-catching tight end for Arizona. And while the rest of Arizona's wide receivers, Michael Floyd battling uh, illnesses, uh, John Brown battling inconsistency, J.J. Nelson battling drops, uh, Jermaine Gresham's kind of become the second most consistent receiving option behind David Johnson, a third most behind David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald in that offense. Okay, so remember I said I didn't agree with you paying up for Kelsey? Yeah. That's because he's my value play. (laughs) $4,700 is not paying up for somebody. That's true. I, mean, I, can, I can get behind that. I mean, seriously. He's, a, he's $600 more than Antonio Gates, who had zero catches this past week. Someone not, explained that one to me, by the way. Not, not that I disagree. Antonio Gates might have been one of those guys, too, um, from earlier. But no, not, not that I... Whatever. Yeah, I just think that Kelsey's a great value at $4,700. Well, like I said, I, I think he's a great value at any price this week. So, yeah, definitely get him in your lineup if you can. So talking about lineups... That takes us to our last segment. And you know what? We just can't do a 30-minute show. <laughs> We're at 30 minutes. DFS, it's like, seriously, so. All right, we'll try and keep this to about a 10-minute segment so that we can give everybody a little bit before we close it out and wish them luck towards their playoffs. But talking about lineups and roster management, I think that's what we need to ha- have a talk about because you've got guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinsons et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that were high draft picks that people are blindly loyal to still. Well, you know, people draft these people in the first round or they spend their most dollars on a player at their auction. And then it's like, for the most of the season, we're saying you drafted them as your stud, play them as your stud. But sometimes it gets to that point where you're at the point in the season where you need to win to get in. Sometimes you need, or when the playoffs hit, you need the best, most total points that week. And sometimes that involves a hard decision. Yeah, and it's also a little more convoluted than just start the guys that will score the most points. 
At least I think it is. I mean, we hear people say that all the time, right? Well, it'd be nice if you knew for certain which guys would have the most points. Exactly. But if that was the case, you wouldn't have been starting your Antonio Gates and your Eric Ebron's this past week, and you'd have been starting the Marquise Wilsons and Taylor Gabriels of the world. I mean, that's just that's one of the things that we hinted at earlier. If your logic is sound, then you can't fault the process. Um, a few years ago, I think about four, I penned a small little blog post on blog I used to write for of my own. Um, a lot of the stuff I transcribed and do at the huddle also. But it, basically I said, trying to figure out who, to, who do I start, take AIM, A-I-M, as an acronym. And the premise was, yeah, it's easy to say just start the guys that score the most points. But there's more to it than that. Um, and before we get into the nuts and bolts of what AIM stands for, I mean, I think we need to talk about floor and ceiling and risk because they're three key factors. Well, I think you really hit the, the hammer onto the nail there with floor versus ceiling in particular in that, uh, again, when you're putting together a DFS lineup, you, you really want to look at who's going to be the safest floor for certain types of uh, formats. And for going into a situation like a tournament, you got to have the best lineup in terms of potential scoring. So you look for a higher ceiling. Well, the same thing goes when you set your weekly lineups for your uh, redraft and for your dynasty leagues as well because, again, there's just certain times where you need a certain safety net, a certain safety level, a certain floor that you have a chance to win with. And some days you're facing someone where you know that your opponent's matchups are very, very good. You're going to need a little bit more ceiling to, to kind of make up for the fact. I mean, if you know that your opponent has Le'Veon Bell going up against Cleveland, you're going to have to adjust for that. You need someone that has that type of upside in your lineup. But, but wait a minute. What are you looking at your opponent's lineup for? You can't, that doesn't do anything unless you play in my full impact league. No, I'm with you. I'm being, I'm being facetious there. I think far too often people don't look at their opponent's lineups when they should. Um, AIM, I'm going to tell you what the acronym stands for. The A is for assess. And it's the first thing I think you need to do is you need to look at your starters and you have to assess the risk and reward that each of them presents to yourself. And then, you know, that's the first step. The second step, the I, is investigate. And that's looking at your opponent's lineup, right? Because exactly. that helps you decide, okay, I've got player A and player B, and they're both projected really highly at the huddle, but this one is a lot riskier. His, his games have been up and down a lot more type thing. So that's where you have to weigh that in. And you don't know what you should do based on without looking. It helps. Then the M is matchup. It's all about the matchup. And this is the hard part because this is where you take DeAndre Hopkins' name out of the equation and you look at the matchup and the matchup only. And, of course, you factor in what his upside and downside is or an Allen Robinson, et cetera. Um, you can do the same thing for Amari Cooper, who's had some up and down weeks. So that's what you have to do. So You, you, you said it really well there, I think, and that's uh, take, take the name off of it. When you do your projections for the week, write down what you expect each of your players to produce in terms of catches, uh, yardage, number of scores. And then, I said, just write those numbers down, but don't put a name next to it. That's funny you say that. That just made me think of something. And it's reverse of how we all do this. When we do projections, we look at the player, right? We look at the matchups that they have. We look at the quarterback, we look at the situation, all that, and we come up with a 
annual projection when we're doing yearly projections, right? Mm -hmm. And then as you go through the season, that changes and you're drawing it down the weekly projections, etc. I did a study a few years ago and somebody said, who is your number 36 wide receiver as, as an example? And my answer was, it doesn't matter who my 36 is. It's who you think's 36. But I'll tell you this, the 36th wide receiver is going to score X points, plus or minus a couple of percentage points. So there is a way that we can actually go back historically and look at, okay, if a guy, let's say DeAndre Hopkins, I don't know where he ranks right now because I don't own him this year, but let's say that he ranks as the number 34 wide receiver. Well, history will show us what to expect from the 34 wide receiver. And that's mm -hmm. something you should be looking at, not necessarily completely the fact that it's DeAndre Hopkins. Again, yeah, it's, you look at from like what you expect their point or what their point total will be based on your league's scoring rules. And that, that's a nice thing about people that go to the huddle.com is we actually have projected scoring and projected stats for players based on hundreds of different lines. So it's hundreds of different, that sounds exaggerative. But lots of different format styles. So if, if you play at Yahoo, if you play at ESPN, if you play at CBS Sports, you can find all of those projected point tolls tisk, based on that scoring system there. Tisk, 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 Harley, I have to correct you. Yes, those scoring system are, systems are preloaded. But as a member of the huddle, you have the use of the My Huddle app. Which lets, I was going to get to that. Oh, see, I was just cut, <laughs> I'm cutting you off. Which allows you to put in your scoring system. And then it doesn't matter where David has, say, LaShawn McCoy ranked. What matters is his projection. His projection drives his ranking for your league. But at the end of the day, is a LaShawn McCoy coming off of a dislocated thumb a solid play for you based on upside and risk is the thing that you have to figure out. Now, granted, we have hindsight to say, yes, he was a good play. But no one would have faulted the logic that he's too risky and it looks like I do need a big play from a running back. Okay, well, let's see. My only other running back that I have to choose from is Tevin Coleman. Well, Coleman's been out a little bit longer. Guess what? At that point, you might say, I'll take my risk with McCoy. But that's the type of, that's the exercise. And a lot of times when people ask us for advice all the time, believe it or not, when we're doing deals, at least I know I do this, I have certain guys that I, I know and trust and I reach out via email or or you know, DM with them and stuff like that. And you bounce stuff off the wall, and what you're doing is you're talking yourself through it. And you you just want to hear it, and you want somebody else to say, hey, maybe you're missing this angle type thing. So that's what you have to do with yourself. You have to talk yourself through it. But don't forget that you have to make sure that you are looking at your opponent's um, lineup because it does matter. Well, you know, that actually... Uh came into play. You mentioned LaShawn McCoy. Uh, this past week in one of my uh, longer running leagues, it's got really antiquated scoring, and I, I won't tease the uh, commissioners any more than that. But uh, I had the choice between LaShawn McCoy or Carlos Hyde as my running back number two. And all morning, Sunday morning, I was like just sweating back and forth which way I was going to go on that. And I ultimately... I saw the news, someone posted that Mike Gillespie was going to be out for the game. My my immediate thought was, it doesn't matter which one has the better matchup now. McCoy is going to be force-fed the ball as long as he physically could. And because of that, based on volume alone, I, I went with him. And realistically, McCoy didn't have a great 
game in terms of yards per carry, with the exception of that one 79-yard burst. Well, I'll give you McCoy's a perfect example for us to use right now because I own him also, and I'm in a league where I own four running backs. It's a 16-team league. I own Melvin Gordon, LaShawn McCoy, um, David Johnson, and Devontae Freeman. That's a good problem. It's a pretty good foursome. It is, and I can only start three of them. So somebody's got to sit. Somebody's got to be the odd man out. Ouch. So with McCoy coming off the thumb injury, you would think he's the guy that you have to sit. And normally, I would sit him. But I look at it, and I say, hmm, that means I've got to play Freeman. Because I'm not sitting Gordon, right? And I'm not sitting David Johnson, no matter what the matchups are. And Freeman has to play a tougher Arizona defense. And and Tevin McCoy. Tevin Campbell was also due back. So, Coleman, I did it. I called him Tevin Campbell. Tevin Campbell, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going back to the uh, 1980s boy bands here. Yeah. Anyway, Coleman's, 1990s, I guess. So Coleman's due back, and I see risk there, right? So yeah. I decide, okay, these two guys both have risk. Who's got a little more upside? McCoy does, I think. And then I look at my opponent's lineup, and I think, I definitely need to hit a home run this week. So I went with McCoy, and it was the right call. Now, Freeman would have been a better call over Gordon, but that's another story. I was also correct that I needed a home run because my opponent scored almost 300 points, and I'm around 250. Um, well, two- I certainly don't uh, uh, dissuade you from doing uh, playing Gordon this week. I, too, was all over Gordon in a lot of leagues this week, and uh, he just underperformed. That happens sometimes in what should have been a good matchup. But, again, yeah, it's... It's some common sense, it's some logic, it's some actual research. But uh, when you get right down to it, if you put that time in, you can find the proper play each week. And, and there is a proper play. Yes. And the other thing, I'll, we can end it on this, um, is that you know a lot of people like to say that there's a ton of luck in this game. And there is. But preparation has its place. And as they say, good teams make their own luck. Good fantasy researchers and good fantasy players make their own luck, too. And, hey, occasionally I understand it. You're going to have a gut feeling, nothing to support it, and at that point, make the play. And live with it because this game's all about having fun, making some money, too, but making sure that you're having fun. So I think that's what's important. What do you think, Harley? Totally agree. And you go ahead and put Jordan Reed in your lineup. Yeah, you might have talked me out of that. Hey, that's what the show's for, to help people make informed decisions, and we help each other sometimes. So, Exactly. To continue to help you, make sure that you're following Harley at NuclearHarley on Twitter, and then you can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, on iTunes, check us out and rate us and review us and do all that fun stuff for us. And until next week, get Blitz Responsible. Cheers. Cheers.